Good evening. Good evening. It's the 16th day of March. Tomorrow is St. Paddy's Day. And it's a Thursday night. It's a nice Thursday. It really was. It was sunny. It was a lot warmer than it has been. It was dry, obviously. But I, um, I'm really excited about tonight because we have a good change of pace. I like these changes of pace. I have a lot more scheduled in the weeks and months and years to come. That's right. I'm already planning for five years from now. I would like to introduce you all to Speed Read Dan. I have him linked in the description, well, his Twitter handles in the description of this episode, so you can go check him out and you can apply to be his follower because he has a protected account now. But he has wonderful threads about ancient history, uh, esoteric themes, pole shifts, Antarctica, so many things. I, I can't wait to talk to him about things like that in future episodes. Hopefully, hopefully we can set that up after tonight. But tonight he's going to be coming on to talk about, as I said many times in the last couple of weeks, hyping this evening, the controversial science of physiognomy, which is the, the, the determining of a person's character based on facial features. Which could be a little frightening for people because you only have one face. So what is it? You, are you born with a demon face or, 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 or are you nice? I've got a lot of questions. A lot of questions. And I hope that I get uh, questions from you guys and gals coming in during the course of the show. I'm going to keep an eye out with the super chats in the middle of the show a little bit more than I usually do. Just because I, I want to be able to toss things his way. And... Um, and yeah, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that and, and much more. In the second half, I have a few other things that I want to catch up on with, uh, with Ukraine and Russia. Because Colonel McGregor showed up on Tucker Carlson's show. Tucker Carlson will actually be a little bit more of a bigger part of this show tonight. Because I got questions about him too. Especially since we've been talking so much in the last few weeks about who do you trust and all that. And there's always questions about what, what do you think the deal with Tucker is? Who's his family? Is this all an act, or is he really on an authentic journey, and uh, and rethinking his positions and, and all that? And uh, I'm just gonna throw it on out there. Why the hell not? We're on the we're on the topic of faces, a face you can trust. So we'll be talking about that uh, physiognomy, its history, how it's applied, and perhaps some of Dan's most famous cases that he's analyzed. And uh, and away we go. So in the second half, we'll take some calls, take care of some extra items, like I said before, and that's that. My sponsors, my plugs, go out there and just take a look at what's going on on the Quite Frankly Affiliates page. And especially spe uh, spend some extra attention on Blue Monster Prep and Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. Go out there and buy your first ounces of silver. Go out there and do it. Uh, take care of yourself. In every little way you can. And that's how we get through this. That's how we get through this. We have to get ourselves to the outskirts of the property while the building is being demolished. You don't want to be in the basement. You know, you don't want to be a basement dweller, not knowing your ass from your elbow and, uh, and why the building is coming down. We can see it shaking. We can see it starting to crumble like one of those buildings on the beach in Inception. That's what's going on right now. And, uh, and we just take... 
some proactive proactive steps, proactive motion. That's what we do. And we enjoy our lives along the way. All right, so that's my plug. Go and check out our wonderful sponsors. Tomorrow we have two guests, I think. At least Matt will be in here tomorrow. But I think our buddy Koss might show up too for St. Patrick's Day. Next week, Anomaly, Dr. Peter McCullough. I got the Saturday night special next Saturday. That's the 25th. Rich Barris on the week after that, on that Wednesday. Grace, really graceful. She'll be on with me on March 30th. Debut appearance, going to be talking about her new book. And much more. Chris Ann Hall is coming back in April. I'm working on bringing back G. Edward Griffin. Especially now that we're, uh, you know, you want to talk about banking, moving into the next phase, and then other things. I just want to, if we have access to him, I'd love to have him on. And there's more in the making. So just stay tuned. All right, you ready? Let's go into the grab bag here and see what's going on around the world. Uh, first one up is from Politico. Oh, no, Marianne, say it's not so. Marianne Williamson. Her abusive treatment of 2020 campaign staff revealed the self-help guru who was running for president again was emotionally and verbally abusive to staff according to interviews with former employees. Oh man, you're telling me that somebody puts on a front of being completely calm? Completely calm and in tune with the the, the universe is is actually a, a little uh, off her rocker behind the scenes? This is why I trust people who like wear their emotions on their sleeve a little bit more. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I would love to see footage of Marianne Williamson being abusive to her staff. I want I want to hear it. Because all we know from her is, you know, her, her, her doing little prayers for our colons. And then telling us to go wash our hands. So... That's uh, this is this is news to me. Best selling. I, I I hope that she responds to me. I sent her a message on Instagram. Maybe I have to send her another one. Say I'd love to have you in studio. I'd have to talk about this. The best selling author Marianne Williamson has built a career preaching love and forgiveness. It's the cornerstone of her second Democratic campaign for president, which she launched on March fourth. But those who have worked with Williamson said she has moved into the political realm. Uh, into the r- political realm. Say her. Public persona is at odds with her private behavior. She should have teamed up with Hillary Clinton then. Interviews with 12 people who worked for Williamson during her 2020 presidential campaign paint a picture of a boss who can be verbally and emotionally abusive. Man. It was traumatic. It would be foaming, spitting, uncontrollable rage. Oh, what? Nobody's got anything on video. It was traumatic, and the experience in the end was terrifying. Williamson, who threw her phone at staffers, according to three or or four uh, former staffers, her outbursts would be so loud that the two former aides recounted at least four occasions when hotel staff knocked on her door to check on the situation. In one instance, Williamson got so angry about the logistics of a campaign trip to South Carolina that she felt she was poor, that felt was poorly planned. She pounded a car door until her hands started to swell. Oh, 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 Marianne. Ultimately, she had to go to urgent care facility. They said, "I wonder what they what they told the urgent care doctors." She got into a bar fight. She was fighting the environment, or fighting for the environment, I should say. She saw somebody litter, 
and she she fought off big bikers, ten of them, ten of them. It was heroic, and then she won the election. All right, next one up, next one up, another problematic woman, Stormy Daniels. Stormy Daniels meets with prosecutors, agrees to be a witness in the Trump hush money investigation. Hey, she was a hua. Porn star Stormy Daniels met with Manhattan prosecutors for the first time Wednesday and agreed to be a witness in DA's Alvin Bragg's potential criminal case against former President Donald Trump. Quote, at the present, the request of the Manhattan DA's office, Stormy Daniels and I met with prosecutors today. Daniels attorney Clark Brewster wrote in a tweet, I wonder how long before he goes to jail for defrauding some uh, sneaker company. I wonder... (laughs) Stormy responded to questions. I would love for this to go sideways and have Stormy owe another $300,000. I would love that. She'll be stripping until she's 87. (laughs) Daniels responded by thanking Brewster in a tweet of her own for helping me in our continuing fight for truth and justice. If that's what you think that this is, Stormy, which she... She doesn't. She sees this as a way of giving herself a little bit of a retirement fund, because I'm sure she hasn't been saving. The meeting took place at Trump's one-time fixer, Michael Cohen. What's he doing now? He testified for a second day, but I can't believe that dodo bird. That dodo bird is still out there. Before grand jury hearing evidence related to a scheme to pay Daniels hush money in the last days of the 2016 campaign in order to keep quiet about an affair she claimed to have had with with Trump a decade earlier. There is nothing wrong with making somebody sign an NDA about a personal affair a decade earlier. There's nothing wrong. Hush money. No, it's hush money. They They were affecting the outcome of the election. This was election fraud. How? Well, if people knew, if people knew that he had uh, fooled around with a stripper 10 years prior, they wouldn't have voted for him. Ha! <laughs> Just so stupid. So, of course, this would be done in New York. Of course. That, that's, that's where you can find the most petty and stupid. You know how they have those, uh, those rare earth minerals deposits all over, all over Africa and Ukraine? That the Chinese and the United States deep state is always trying to gobble up and stake a flag on. Well, New York is ground zero for rare earth minerals of stupid and petty. That's what we are. Oh, here's a little something. While they go and while they go and uh, play grab ass with a stripper to see if they can make Donald Trump's life a little inconvenient for a couple of days. This is some breaking news from today. House oversight reveals bank records that show Biden associate Rob Walker used his company, Robinson Walker LLC, to transfer money from a Chinese energy company to Hunter Biden, James Biden, and Haley Biden. That's Beau Biden's uh, widow. And an an unknown Biden there, too. Want to talk about the family business. Want to talk about influence peddling and... and, uh, kicking up to the big guy my gosh everybody got a commission on that they had to tag team that sale i guess just incredible um well that's a little bit of what we have 
on this side of things. Well, there's a little bit more, actually. There's this, which I'll bring up a little bit later on, too. The Wall Street Journal. Who blew up Nord Stream? Investigators focus on six mysterious passengers on a yacht. Six mysterious passengers on a yacht have uh, have space-age technology to go and do this deep underwater C4 planting and... Uh, I, this is so ridiculous. So the CIA is now going to Wall Street Journal to plant this out there. A boat rented in Germany sailed close to the spots in the Baltic Sea where the explosions sabotaged the gas pipelines from Russia. A small marina on the edge of this, of this northern Germany uh, German city is a popular summertime spot for recreational sailors. German intelligence believes it was also the jumping-off point for the sabotage of the Nord Stream gas pipeline, an assault on Europe's civilian energy infrastructure unprecedented since World War II. On September 6, a small group set out from, Rockstock, uh, from Rostock aboard a rented yacht, the Andromeda, a slender 50-foot-long single-masted sloop, ostensibly on a pleasure cruise around the Baltic Sea ports. Within two weeks, the group returned the boat and then disappeared. Not long after, on September 26, a series of underwater explosions, powerful enough to register with seismologic, uh, seismologic measuring stations, tore apart three of the four main Nord Stream pipelines built to carry natural gas from Germany, from Russia to Germany. Hundreds of investigators from Germany, Sweden, and Denmark, with the help of the U.S. and other Western allies, mobilized to figure out who was behind the attack. Submarines surveyed the crime scene. Intelligence agencies scoured communications intercepts. Police sought witnesses. Six months on, the mystery persists. <laughs> Hundreds of investigators from Germany, Sweden, Denmark, with the help of the U.S. and Western allies, all their intelligence agencies, they scoured communication. Everybody was on the... They Remember, these are the people who couldn't find Osama bin Laden hiding in a cave somewhere for 13 years. Couldn't find him. It, the entire world was looking for this guy. Couldn't find him for 13 years. Get the fuck out of here. Get out. Initial suspicion in many European capitals focused on Russia. Right. Right. Which denied any involvement. Analysts speculate that only a state with a sophisticated military would have been able to carry out such a complicated underwater attack. Right. A state with a sophisticated military. So how did a couple of guys on a boat, on a pleasure cruise, get this done? Get out of here. Get out of here. Now, here's the question. It's so stupid. Why is it? Why do they do this? Because they certainly don't, ha don't have any fear of repercussions from American citizens knowing the truth and being outraged and demanding justice. If, if, the United, if, if people over here in the U.S. were loud enough and outraged enough about what this and our obvious involvement in it, they would just ignore us or they would start a cockamamie committee that will waste countless years of time and money and draw no real definite conclusions. Just like they're drawing no real definite conclusions here, they're giving us, uh, this is pretty much Umbrella Man. So, um, so I, I don't know, whose intelligence are they really trying to insult? Us? The Germans? They say in German intelligence is a part of this. Well, I mean... We know how across the board, uh, how how deeply in everybody else's pockets 
intelligence on a global scale really is, especially after last night's show. So I don't know whose intelligence they're really trying to insult here. It, w- it was the German people who were really affected by this or could have been really uh, seriously hurt if the winter was any worse than it was. And over here in the U.S., we're, we're being robbed to keep this bullshit war going. So I, I, it's got, I don't know. Who, it's, not, it's not for us. Whoever it is, it's not for us. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come on back, we're going to start setting the stage for our guest, Speed Read Dan. I will be referring to as Dan, but that is his, uh, that's his brand over there on Twitter. So don't go anywhere, ladies and gents. And thanks again for being here on another beautiful night in March. We are halfway through. Don't go anywhere. The coronavirus, we pray that it be dissolved with healing, with healing, with healing. Your cervix, your penis, your vagina, your buttocks, your colon. Go wash your hands. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! gentlemen welcome to the show welcome to the show it's a Wednesday night and it's going to be a uh, a fun time I'm already having a good time I can't wait to get some of your thoughts onto the record as this whole episode rolls on so, uh, I want to play a little something for you first, because we talk about, and I, I want to ask specifically about this. I thought this was a really nice, uh, nice look into Tucker Carlson outside of his show. He's been doing these, these podcasts a little bit more. Here's a clip from Full Send Podcast. Two minutes. I want you to take a listen to this. There's more of him in the second half of the show. Like... I've spent my whole life in the media. My dad was in the media. Like, that is a big part of the revelation that's changed my life is the media are part of the control apparatus. Like, there's no... Yeah, I know, I know. Because you're younger and smarter and you're like, yeah. Yeah. But what if you're me and you spent your whole life in that world? And to look around and all of a sudden you're like, 
oh, wow. Not only are they part of the problem, but I spent most of my life being part of the problem defending the Iraq war. Like, I actually did that. Can you imagine if you did that? Well, what do you think? What is one of your biggest regrets in your career? Oh, defending the Iraq war. That is it? Well, I've had a million regrets, not being more skeptical, calling people names when I should have listened to what they were saying. Look, when you when someone makes a claim, there's only one question that's important at the very beginning, which is, is the claim true or not? Mm. So I say, you know, you committed murder or you rigged the last election before you attack me as a crazy person for saying that, maybe you should explain whether you did it or not. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And for too long, I participated in the culture where I was like, anyone who thinks outside these pre-prescribed lanes is crazy, is a conspiracy theorist. And I just really regret that. I'm ashamed that I did that. And and partly it was age, partly it was the world that I grew up in. So when you when you look at me and you're like, yeah, of course they're part of the means of control. I'm like, that's obvious to you because you're 28, but I just didn't see it at all, at all. And I'm ashamed of that. Isn't that what the media tries to do, though? It, it's their only purpose. Right. They're not here to inform you, really. Even on the big things that really matter, like the economy and war and COVID and like things that really matter that will affect you. No, their job is not to inform you. They are working for the small group of people who actually run the world. They're their servants. They're their Praetorian Guard. And we should treat them with maximum contempt because they have earned it. Like, I mean, that, listen, you can say that's, that's, a, that's a, a, a piece of a script. If it is, I like the script. Uh, I like it. It's, and it sounds authentic to me. They really don't. We're always talking about journeys. We're always talking about, uh, you know, where are people going and, and, and how do you process new information when you start seeing a major paradigm shift? And it's true for somebody his age who's been in media, his, that, kind, that level of media his whole life, and it, it was in the family apparently, then you have to wonder, you know, uh, how many times in the last couple of, in the last couple of weeks have we even talked about the, about, okay, generationally. Generationally, how do people, how would people process seeing major crimes being just unearthed and revealed that the people who are supposed to be reporting on this stuff, who are supposed to be protecting, who's supposed to be prosecuting crimes are actually the ones diverting eyes away from major crimes, uh, that are accomplices in major crimes, that are working against our interests as free individuals in a supposedly free society? You know, how would they, how would they respond to that? Because over the years, you have this trust factor. Yeah, our trust has been broken now. As he was saying, you're talking to the younger people, the younger kids in the room. Uh, if they've been paying attention uh, any any bit, they're being brought up now on, oh, mainstream media is a, is a farce. It's, a, it's one long string of psychological operations after another. But for somebody who was growing up in it, someone who is from older generations i mean you can ask them what walter cronkite meant to most people just like when you walk into a doctor's office what that white coat means to a lot of people there's a lot more skepticism even now with what western medicine is done you know even if the person that you're in an office with you trust that they're trying to do the right thing you know now how they have been trained by what institutions who created those institutions the same ones who made the drugs and they've trained generations and generations of people to see everything as a nail to be hammered. That's it. They only got a hammer, and that's drugs. So 
you see paradigms starting to shift. And for as far as as far as Tucker Carlson goes, or anybody in his position, there's not very many people in his position who's been ruffling the feathers he has. Uh, it, that could be a pretty that's a that's a pretty significant statement to make. But again, does it make you uh, who do you trust? You know, for the last few weeks we've been there's been several occasions where we discussed the concept of trustworthiness. Who do you trust? But if the question that we're going to be talking about tonight, popping up tonight, is going to be most related to the theme, then the real question is, uh, is there a face you can trust? Can you trust? Can the external features of a person give you real insight into the composition of their character? I don't know. Tucker Carlson seems pretty childlike to me in the face. He's got that, his confused face is kind of childlike. Just kind of stuck in a stare. Uh, when he laughs and giggles. Do I still have his giggle over here? Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> What's not, I mean, <laughs> let's do that again. <laughs> see, you see, that seems like a pretty, uh, a pretty innocent laugh. <laughs> I don't know. I, do, I just, it's, you're always trying to get a read on somebody. I think that was a pretty significant thing to say. I haven't seen the rest of the podcast, though. I don't have time to, uh, to watch much these days, but I love when those clips go past my dash. All right, so that's just really what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about an ancient science that has fallen out of style in the last century, and it's called physiognomy. Physiognomy. And Speed Read Dan... Speed Read Dan is coming on tonight to talk a little bit about what he has learned and what he what he sees in the link between a person's character and where we are as a society and 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 all the physical features that are are right there ready to be read. And he's done some bangers, man. He has destroyed he destroyed uh Andrew Tate. I grabbed this one over here. This is recently. Speed Read Dan, he said this. I don't care how people respond. I hate censorship and I, and I hate attacks on real masculinity. But this man, Tate, is getting exactly what he deserves, he says. Andrew Tate, physiognomy analysis. He's a textbook sociopath, sexual degenerate, effeminate Philistine, a hellish hedonist, and foolish scumbag. Now, I want to know why. About all this stuff, there's several tweets that are deleted. Well, maybe I'll ask about that. Uh, he's a psychopath. Look at his grin. Now compare the grin to that of the Joker. Is this the guy you can trust? Maybe he gives you a stellar. Uh, I know I need to know what about the grin. Is there is it a certain way that it peeks into the cheekbones or or what? What are we looking at here? And this man has a violent streak. He says serious anger management issues. His neuroticism is through the roof. He actually had a social anxiety issue for much of his life, and it shows. Professional projector, much more introverted than he shows. Low conscientiousness and agreeableness. Where's another one? Over down here. Uh, pyromaniac? Frequent bedwetter as a kid? Believe it or not, there's actually physiognomy for that. There's physiognomy for who's a bedwetter? And it's cruel toward animal friends. He's not our guy. This guy's opportunistic, up the wazoo. And if you can't see that, then I'm sorry, man. What's the last one? Rebel archetype. So he d deals in archetypes as well. Dan does. Rebel archetype, auxiliary star, demon, scholar, 
shadow hero. Thrill seeker, addicted to pleasure, totally in his body, overly sensory, not sentient, not intuitive, fame seeker, has a plethora of addictions, little self-control, this man is a fighter, drawn to violence. All right, well, I mean, I would like to, uh, I would like to talk to him about this. I mean, there's a lot, there's the, the, the audience is usually split wherever you, uh, whatever, wherever you observe them on people like Andrew Tate, but he goes into Megan Fox. He goes into a lot of different types of people. And I just want to know what's behind it. Where do you see that? Because I can, I can deduce a lot about a person and how they treat people through a number of factors. Uh, body language is huge. No, no doubt body language is huge. Body language includes facial expressions. So uh, is it something that is structural? And again, if that's the case, then how, how do you help that? Because we're only born with one face. Anyway, we're going to be joined by Dan in just a little bit. Um, in the meantime, I want to take a really quick break, come back, and we'll have him on, and we'll go from there. Don't go anywhere. Coming right up with some fun for you. quite frankly, uh, you know, contributed to the death of 7 million people because of the funding of -of gain-of-function experiments in the Wuhan lab. Cryptic message. You don't know? Viewers, you don't know who the cameraman is. You know know why you're being able to see these things. Do I? You're seeing me. I can't even see you. I may be dead by the time you watch this. Very possibly are. You don't know who's the man who's making things he wants you to see. Destroy your television sets now. You must listen to no orders. That's all I can tell you from this point of humanity. Believe me. That's our potential. I didn't really understand it. Okay, Dan's going to be with us in just a moment. We're right here on the precipice of the call. So what I'm going to encourage of the audience again is uh, drop, you can drop some super chats into the feeder over here on quite frankly, superchat.com over the course of this conversation that we're going to have. And I would love to, uh, or if you're in the gilded and you want to tag me in, in something, if you're in the Gilded over there, tag me in some kind of a question, whatever you have, because I would like to, if there's, especially if there's some time here, I'd like to drag a lot more of you into it. But, you know, this could be something that goes on and fills up a lot of time, and, and we're, then we're, we're spilling over. And, and who cares in that case? If we're having a good time, then why not? As far as the... As far as the um, 
the background of this. I was looking into the history of physiognomy when it came to even the ancient Greeks. I mean, this goes back a long, long way. And it wasn't only, it wasn't until about the 20th century, as it seems, the early 20th century, late 19th, but mostly early to mid 20th century, is when it really started becoming labeled junk science, pseudoscience, for a number of reasons that you might you might expect. And I want to get into those. I have I have some notes here, and and hopefully I can put some good use to them. But uh, in the meantime, let's welcome on our, uh, our our friend for the evening. Hey, what's going on, Dan? Hi, Frank. Do you know how to change display name? Display name? Well, you don't have to worry about display name because uh, I'm not displaying you. You remember? Oh, okay. You're just doing. You're just doing like uh, audio. I'm just taking. Time? I'm taking your audio, and and I took your default from Twitter, and now boom, we're on the screen together. There you go. Speed read, Dan. Dan, how you feeling tonight? I am doing great. Thank you so much for the time. Oh, this is going to be so fun because I'm 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 very interested. So. I read a little bit on this. I have a little bit of a background. I know where I want to go. But the first thing I want to ask you is to tell us a little bit about how you came to understand physiognomy and I mean, when you found it and how you started applying it. So I've been a student of really reading people for about seven or eight years now and first got into it in college. And really, I, I was in a number of sticky relationships with my peers and with other people and when it comes to personal relationships. And fortunately, I had the um, unfortunate experience of knowing a lot of narcissists, sociopaths, psychopaths, people that just were not helping me. And I just realized, you know what? I had to protect myself. I had to be able to see and tell if someone was, you know, naturally of a worthy character or if someone had the best intents for me or if someone had Machiavellian views of the world and, and how to really read past people. It, it, it's, it's, it's an incredible uh, defense mechanism if there is validity to the the study the science of it all and i want to talk about that because i did research and i see stretching back to aristotle across all cultures and civilizations um it, it's not even just this in particular but it's it's uh it's it's also derivative derivative mech, uh, um, derivative modes of studying a person's external features to try to gauge what kind of a character that you're dealing with and um but once we get to the 20th century suddenly it's junk science uh can you tell me a little bit about what that shift in general sentiment is attributed to is it because 20th century medical technology was able to disprove past theories was it just because it was too politically incorrect can you give me some understanding there's of a number of there's a number of things so when it comes to the um art and the science of looking at people and reading them um this goes back far beyond ancient greece this actually starts in ancient egypt and uh, really what was d being done is um, man was compared to either like another man or an ox or an eagle or a lion. And that was the basis of what was called the four humors by Pythagoras. And, and it's something you see, uh, there's different models um, and ways to look at it in from the civilization, ancient India, and also in ancient China. And it's something that is, you know, found in most high cultures around the world. But what happened in the 20th century was it was a thing and it was also associated with something called phrenology which was essentially a very very early attempt to 
do neuroscience by looking at people's uh, skull shapes. And in the end of the day, that was really disproven. But really, the art and the science of looking at people and reading them, uh, unfortunately, was tied to a lot of other things that happened during World War II. And it got a very, very bad rap. And so for a while, it became, you know, completely verbatim. It was an anathema. It was, you know, declared just to be not true. But one of the really crazy things in the last five to 10 years is artificial intelligence is really showing that it is useful and it's actually real. And whether they admit it or not, um, AI is really analyzing our faces. So to be completely transparent, I, I really only look at physiognomy as one way to read people. There's many others. You can look at people's microexpressions. You could look at people's body language. You could look how people are dressed. You could listen to their voice. You could also uh, pick up different language cues. So uh, besides just looking at the face of someone's shape, there's many, many other ways you could analytically um, look at people's character, their behavior, their attitudes, and their personality. It's it's uh, okay. I got you there, and I and I know what you're talking about there with the phrenology, and of course that goes into that goes into measuring people's uh, skull shapes, as you said, and and then I, I'm I'm sure you're talking about uh, different types of propaganda and and another other uh, things during World War II, the Holocaust. So I can imagine the 20th century created a uh, one to many hurdles for keeping this under any kind of responsible discussion so away with it it goes um let me ask you this um when, when you're when you're applying this when you're doing it now i really want to know about the ins and outs is it like palm reading to a to a degree is uh, instead of lines and wrinkles what are you looking for first so and essentially foremost essentially what i'm looking for is it's what i do is very different from palm reading it's very different from um, many other systems. I actually look at it from a very holistic view. And essentially what I'm looking for is Jungian archetypes. So the um, Swiss psychologist Carl Jung um, wrote very detailed notes in his book, Psychological Types and also the Archetypes of the Collective Unconscious. Um, these different psychological forms, these combinations and these different archetypes of how people think and what's going on inside their world and how they operate. And essentially what I'm doing is associating people to four different archetypes, what I call a dominant archetype, an auxiliary archetype, a demon archetype, and a shadow archetype. Hmm. Uh, well, so, I, okay, go ahead, sorry. So what, what that means is essentially it's like layers to people. Like imagine an onion, you know, there's the skin of the onion and then you go a little bit deeper and then a little bit deeper and then you're at the core. Or imagine a house. What you see on the outside of the house is very different from, you know, what's inside, you know, the entryway or the foyer or the living room or the bedroom. So essentially what I'm doing is looking at different aspects of people when they're acting under stress or when they're acting, you know, in a more healthy way. Mm. Yeah, I, I often say, well, it was told to me a long time ago, you can, you can tell a lot about a person by the way that they treat their mother and by the way that they act when they're stuck in traffic. Um, if, you, if, you're, if you're around them for those two things, you can learn a lot about them. But you know what, since there's only four archetypes that you really put people, uh, that you really use as, as these cat, I don't know if that is four universal or four that you really so there, work. There's 24 different archetypes 
in total, but I assigned four different archetypes to each person. Can you explain? Can you explain each one of them? Because they sounded really interesting. So there's a dominant, an auxiliary, a demon, and a shadow. So people's dominant archetype is what people show to the external world. It's like what you do unconsciously. It's actually what you do being your best self. It's what you do when you don't have to think about anything. Imagine driving a car and you've driven it. You, let's say you're driving someplace, you've been a hundred times and you don't even have to think about it. It's automatic, it's unconscious. However, for most people, they're actually not familiar with their dominant archetype. They do it all the time, but most of the time people can't even see it in themselves. It's very interesting because it's something that everyone is able to notice but them. And that's why I say it's kind of like the outside of a house if you spend all your time inside the house and you never go outside. Hmm. That's interesting. So that's the dominant, which, you know, if you're if you're familiar with Jungian functions or if you're familiar with, you know, um, Jungian psychology, it's really what you place, you know, in front of yourself. And, and often what we're doing is pr we're projecting the shadow. And I'll explain that later. But so our second archetype is what I call the auxiliary archetype. It's really something that um, makes us better. It, it's really the better angels of our nature. Um, our auxiliary archetype is what we have to do to focus on. It's something that we're more conscious of. We strive to be into it. We need a little bit of stress to get into it. And imagine it's kind of like if you're driving a car, the dominant archetype is driving and your auxiliary archetype is in shotgun, making sure that you know, you're going on the right exit, you're going the right speed, you're making sure that you're not getting into an accident. It's assisting, it's helping you, and it often improves people's interpersonal interactions and um, what they're doing in terms of like their relationships with others and also their professional life. That makes so much sense. I was just gonna, I was just gonna say this sounds like the uh, this sounds like the, the 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 strong suit that I put on when I go hang out with my in laws. You know, I'm still yes. I'm I'm still you know, by and large the the same person. But you just you know you put a little emotional bow and tie on, or you know you just kind of spiff yourself up just a little bit and you clean yourself up you know you don't drop as many uh curse words in front of them and what are you just you know you just kind of tighten up a little bit more mm -hmm. exactly okay. exactly and then we're going to go into your demon um the demon archetype is really what honestly it's what most people associate the most with unfortunately but it's what we do under stress it's what we do when things are not going that great it's what we overestimate our abilities in. It's something that um, it often gets us into trouble. And it's something we have a very complicated relationship with at most times. And, and it's something that it's going to be a little bit like awkward, but it's still something that we're going to do pretty well at. Hmm. So um, unfortunately, it's what we do when we're under pressure, or when things are just a little bit painful. So and believe it or not, it's the exact opposite of our auxiliary. Okay. So, and then the next one, the last one is our shadow. The shadow archetype is the exact polar opposite of our dominant archetype. And it's at essentially at the core or it's the bedroom or so if the demon is kind of like a 10 year old boy in the back of the car, who's like kind of yelling and saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? The shadow is just like a toddler in the back seat in a car seat. Who's just kind of like every now and then kind of crying and making a fuss. 
And however, a lot of people project their shadow and say, oh, this is my true self. And like they want other people to see them as that, even though it's the complete opposite of their dominant archetype. Can you give me, so, ex- can you give me an example of that? An example of that. Uh, yes, yes. Here's a com- great example of that. There could be someone like a scholar. Um, the scholar archetype is someone who's very um, academic, uh, very introverted, very objective, very cerebral. Um, very like imagine like a, a professor with a bow tie who reads all the time. Now, if he's going through traumatic stress, and let's say he's going through a divorce and everything is falling apart, and he has another loved one that died. And everything is, you know, just going upside down, he's going to become his exact opposite. So the scholar guy is going to act more like the star archetype. The star archetype is very extroverted, very um, bubbly, very uh, natural born performer, like the celebrity archetype. The star wants to be on stage. And maybe during this time, maybe he gets drunk a lot at this local bar and he is like, um, almost ready to like pass out drunk, but he's like dancing all over the bar, like making a fool of himself and showing the world like what he's made out of and maybe singing some random song or on maybe a karaoke bar at the top of his lungs. So that's really him being into his shadow, the exact opposite of the scholar. Okay. So I, I know that I know that in a lot of your in a lot of your your breakdowns and your profilings uh, obviously, as as human beings, there's so so much of us uh, has has to do with our our identities is just infused with sexual energy as well. Is when you say like a shadow being a complete opposite, is that is that almost is that what's at at play yes, when, when we yes. hear? So Carl, Carl Jung talked about this and said, you know, if you're a man, it's or if you're more masculine then the shadow is what you call the anima or something female or feminine or let's say if it's a a female more someone who has a more feminine personality or a woman it's known as the anima so let's take another some other um like a very masculine archetype a very feminine archetype a very masculine archetype would be the judge they're very austere uh they're very focused uh they think in very black or black and white terms um, you know, I would say a lot of different presidents of the United States have been judges. Um, people like Franklin Pierce, people like James K. Polk in the 19th century. Um, it, it, there's been a lot of people who, like the judge archetype, you know, sits, you know, on top of the courtroom and he is ready to make pronouncements. So he's very conscientious, very disagreeable, very stern. And all of those are more psychologically masculine traits. However, his shadow is the lover archetype. The lover archetype is very high in openness to experience. The judge is associated with order. The lover is associated with chaos, um, more wild, more neurotic, more all over the place, um, more agreeable, uh, but fundamentally just much less stable and more temperamental. But the lover is, you know, always doing new things they're very adaptable and they're very flexible and likewise a lover archetype so someone who's a female lover uh let's just say someone completely wild like dua lipa when she goes in her shadow she's gonna start acting like a judge she will be a lot more strict stoic um she'll probably be better with money she would be more mature more serious and she would be um more obviously judgmental 
and I know that this this is all and I I've now that I I've read so much of what you, your your work, I see how you use this to compile your profiles. So in this specific example, this would be where we hear about those stories of high-powered corporate executives who are always in charge of everything that on the weekends like to get the shit beat out of them at a BDSM club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, okay. That's one way. That's a very dark way to look at right. it. But, you know, there's times where, like Carl Jung talked about, like how there's these different aspects of people that they're the complete opposite of what we expect in them. Hmm. Okay. Well, now, so. now let's get back into physiognomy and your and your work there, because now that because I know that archetypes is a very big part of the profiles you build. When you are looking at a new subject, what are the biggest red flags when you see a face and you're just dealing with pictures? What's your biggest red flags? So here's the thing that the number one thing that I look at in terms of physical features are actually their eyes. The eyes really are the window to the soul. And, you know, I'd say they share or they show at least half of who someone is. And, like, I just got to say, like, there's eyes that are associated with psychopathy. There's eyes that you could look at them and they look like the eyes of what I'd call more of, like, someone who's more domineering or hunting but also more chaotic. Uh, believe it or not, psychopathy actually has a combination of both masculine and feminine traits. It's masculine in that it's very disagreeable and it's very harsh and it's more aggressive and assertive and wants to hunt. But it's feminine in the sense that it's very chaotic, it's not very conscientious, it's very dramatic, um, it's very all over the place, it's very fiery. And so really I'm looking at a lot of those traits specifically when I look at someone's eyes, I can look for those specific traits. Okay, all right. So you start with the eyes and the eyes are, the, are, are one of the bigger indicators there, I have to imagine. Do you, yes. do you, remember, yes. do you remember some of the most um, positive profiles you've ever done? Yes, yes. I've done a number of very, very positive profiles of um, people that I would so here's the thing in terms of like what's positive there's always there, there's a few ways to look at it one is there's positive in terms of compatibility but you're probably more curious about positive when it comes to you know people's character yeah yeah the, the most I, I would say the most because I I've seen you just destroy some people I mean well not yes, necessarily sometimes they lift people up though right 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 that's what I'm saying like, and not that you you seem to be going out on a vendetta but just what you are physically the clues that you're finding are just painting a really really bad picture so what were the most pleasant surprise the pleasant finds pleasant surprises so here's the thing is every archetype can be good or evil. Um, but that doesn't mean they will be good or will be evil. So, for example, let, let's take a scribe, for example. Um, temperamentally, in terms of psychology, both um, Hillary Clinton and George Washington share the same archetypes. They are scribes, auxiliary emperors. Their demon is a siren and their shadow is the illuminator. But either way, I could tell based off of different features that George Washington is much more positive, Hillary Clinton is much more negative. Um, for Here's another example. Psychologically, believe it or not, um, the archetypes of Tulsi Gabbard and the archetypes of Andrew Tate are actually pretty similar. 
Wow. However, they've manifested themselves as very, very, very different people. People would have a very, very hard time believing that, that you could have someone who's pretty good and pretty bad. And it's one thing where, like, it's very hard to believe, but even Jesus Christ and Adolf Hitler shared a lot of similarities when it came to their psychology. And that's the thing that's very hard to believe is sometimes, you know, the capacity for evil really comes from your capacity to do good and vice versa. Yeah. Well, that's 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 for sure. Oh, what about uh, what about Tucker Carlson? Uh, And I only bring this up because it's it's very relevant to what I played earlier before. It is very relevant. So believe it or not. Yeah. um, He is a trickster archetype. Some tricksters can be very good. Some tricksters can be very bad. For example, like I'm a huge fan of um, Theodore Roosevelt, who is a trickster. However, I'm not a fan of Bill Clinton, who is also a trickster. But when it comes to Tucker Carlson, he is also a trickster. His So his dominant is a trickster archetype. His auxiliary is the priest. His demon is the warrior. And his shadow is the orphan. Hmm. And unlike the two other tricksters I mentioned, their auxiliary was a magician and their demon was a caregiver. But one of the things I've noticed is when Tucker Carlson goes more into his priest archetype, he often does better. He becomes more mature. He becomes a little bit more stable. He be- he becomes a little bit more focused. And one thing that I've learned is that people's different archetypes they have could be better or worse. So one thing about Tucker Carlson is, you know, maybe he's not necessarily perfect all the time, but there are better um, there are better angles to him at different times. He has the opportunity to become a better man. He's not perfect. He has his flaws. Um, but overall, he leans more positive. Well, I would hope that would be most people. You know, I, I, you can't, we can't. It is, that's true. It is most people. Which is a good thing. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, we see so much crap out there. It makes really, makes really feel, well, I mean, where is the good? And, yeah, um, he, one of the really scary things I see, though, is like a lot of people who are famous, I'm just like, you know, they're very tough. Well, there's a couple of things going on. Um, a lot of celebrities are toxic people. And so if you think about if you look at Hollywood, most people in Hollywood are, are toxic. And unfortunately, um, D.C. is at least as bad. Like they just say D.C. is Hollywood for ugly people. <laughs> but one of the things that's the case is, unfortunately, um, I would say at all, close to 90% of um, politicians have very dark traits where they're often Machiavellian, narcissistic, or sometimes they could even be psychopathic. That's not quite as common, but they're very Machiavellian. And that's something that, you know, politics often draws people who have dark energy. Yeah. So yeah, well, it's obvious to me. I've spoken to quite a few, aside from doing my own analysis of DC, I've spoken to quite a few therapists over the years who, who have uh, uh, confirmed to me, yes, Frank, one of the greatest things that I can diagnose from afar is histrionic personality disorder in, in DC. It's just, oh, it's that's, just, that's a big, that's a big thing. So actually I do have a theory. So here's the thing. One of, one of um, my big philosophical um, statements is that opposites are surprisingly similar. So you're, I'm sure you're familiar with the horseshoe theory of, you know, politics, but it's the idea that dry ice burns. It's something that's so cold that's going to burn you. Or it's the idea that the hottest stars 
are going to be blue. And when things are complete opposites, then they end up having most of the same traits. So like, here's an example where uh, I believe that narcissism is actually the complete opposite of histrionic personality disorder, but they end up having the same effects either way. Yes, no doubt about it. And, and, and that's why I think it's so hard sometimes you, you can read, even if you go on uh, WebMD or something like that and you type in any kind of side effects, there's thousands of diseases that show up that manifest the same things. And it's always mm -hmm. just so very subtle differences. And speaking of subtlety, uh, let me ask you this, this will, I don't know, here's a, it might start off a little bit uh, of a hot question over here, but a year or two ago, since you brought up AI before, I think this is actually kind of funny. A year or two ago, I read an article that Apple, Apple was being accused of racism by Chinese, by Chinese users who were going out and buying the new iPhone 10. They were going out and buying the iPhone 10 and they were, they were, they're getting themselves registered with the facial recognition screen lock. And the iPhone 10 was having a hard time telling users apart. So the same face, was unlocking multiple phones. Now, for your question, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to get you into the weeds of that one. For your question, let's pick an example a little bit less offensive: identical twins. How would identical twins express differences in character if their features are practically carbon copies? That's a very, very good question. So, um, in terms of people's archetypes, it's not just something that I believe is completely physical. There is a spiritual dimension to this. And that really shows how people express themselves. And I'm not just looking at people's physical traits. I'm also looking at their body language, their micro expressions, how they really animate themselves and how they show themselves. You know, how they move their neck is not going to be identical. How they talk, the words they use is not going to be identical. So people could have essentially the same genes, but you can't just look at people from a genetic standpoint. You have to look down deeper on epigenetic, energetic, and fundamentally a spiritual, uh, essentially that people are spiritual beings. And really what I've noticed is that the people who are able to learn this stuff the quickest aren't really seeing things through a pure materialist lens. They're able to see things also through an energetic lens. Okay. Gotcha. And, and because aside from that, there is the whole idea of growth because I, I want, I was wondering where, where free will comes into this. And, and, and in my my prep for tonight's show, I actually pulled a little bit from Aristotle from the prior analytics. And it says it is, it is possible to infer character from features. If it is granted the body and the soul are changed together by the natural affections. I say natural for although perhaps by learning music, a man made some change in his soul. This is not one of those affections natural to us. Rather, I, I refer to passions and desires when I speak of natural emotions. If then this were granted, and also for each change there is a corresponding sign, and we would state the affection and sign proper to each kind of animal, we shall be able to infer characters from features. Now, that was, that was a little bit more of a support of this very analytical way of judging what was going on with the person, but how about a person who, through the passions and desires of life, acting and reacting to it, growing. For example, the trickster uh, Tucker Carlson. He seems like a guy to me who is, uh, from what he's showing the public, is on a, what I would say, a, at least a, a, an authentic journey in mm -hmm. 
and growing and and, and re retooling his, his I agree. outlook. Agree. I agree. One of the things he he's willing to state that he's made mistakes. For example, like he's someone who's on record saying, like, you know, I was wrong to think that the Iraq War was something good. Like he, he that's one sign. It's like you know, it, it's it's impressive when a journalist can admit mistakes because. I've looked at a lot of journalists before, and journalists are among some of the worst of the worst people. And so it's very rare that you meet a journalist that is, you know, a man of integrity or can admit their own faults. And that's true. It's like, you know, going back to Aristotle, we realize that how people behave, you can tell. You can, there are signs associated with humility, there are signs associated with meekness, there are signs associated with patience. And all of these virtues that, you know, are not really in vogue right now. So then when, as your experience in life changes you, obviously your face doesn't, well, I mean, your ears are always growing until the day you die. I mean, you, uh, we, 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 grow, we grow hair in places we don't want it. We lose hairs and we lose hair in, in places that we do want it. So our faces do change. Our skin gets looser. Uh, we, you know, weight fluctuates. Things, things still happen. But um, can you abandon archetypes as you go on? Can you can you assume completely new identities in life just by having something so profound happen to you over the course of decades that your entire paradigm shifts and 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 you're just nothing like the person you were before? So very rarely someone can try to assume the new suit of a new archetype. Maybe they even try getting plastic surgery or something, or maybe they try very very hard to become something else. But fundamentally. This is something that's spiritual. The four archetypes that you have, like you're born with them, you're gonna have them to the day you die, your dominant, your auxiliary, your demon, and the shadow are all gonna be the same thing. And however, you can do whatever you want with these four archetypes and you can become fluent in any of them and you can use them to their utmost expertise. It may be difficult. Um, you have to, might have to try over decades in order to master some of them, um, but people aren't, going to change their archetypes. However, just because um, they're not going to change their archetypes doesn't mean that personality is permanent. Personality um, isn't permanent and character isn't permanent. People can go through drastic changes when it comes to their character and their mental health and their overall well-being and how they relate to others. People can go through conversion experiences or through a change of heart or a change of character. Hmm. So character is not the same thing as archetype okay all right i now um there's there's another thing that i noticed in just going through life that and i and i think that what triggered this this for me and i wanted to write some notes down on it was when i read your very short uh, analysis of megan fox which was was kind of harsh but again in, in, a, in a clinical sense i don't i don't feel like you have any personal personal vendetta against her you wrote you wrote the following you wrote the following, you said, uh, Megan Fox, feminine body, masculine soul, Jezebel incarnate, half human, half serpent, whore of Babylon vibes. I'd cast her as a biomechanical sex bot. Her face is devoid of any nurturing qualities like a cold-blooded reptile, rebel archetype. Then you, you conclude by saying, she's aggressive, assertive, antisocial, lacks the, uh, the adroitness of the mean girl, so she's a rebel, introverted, quite OCD, she kind of comes off as autistic, not going to lie. 
very instinctual, strong survival mechanisms, belongs in the distant evolutionary past. Not to mention, she is an admitted blood drinker. So uh, there, there's, there's that. That's that was kind of weird, but you yeah, know. yeah, yeah. She's a, she's. I have a very harsh analysis on her, and it was you hard. Know, there's a lot of guys that might think she is the hottest thing walking on planet Earth, but that's she's someone who gives me very dark vibes. Like if I were to look at ho- like a hundred Hollywood celebrities, like uh, I would say she probably appears to be in the probably bottom five percentile. For it comes to like how dark they are, so that that's a really good example of someone who I I don't necessarily have a very high opinion of. However, just because she's a rebel doesn't mean that all rebels are bad. I've met many many rebels who are fantastic, wonderful people, and I'm saying specifically though in her case, she does give off this Jezebel like whore of Babylon incarnate vibe. I when I was looking at this, I understand um, it's just one of those things that keeps popping up for me uh, as time goes on. There, there's there are some women, especially someone like her, who I can look I can look at her, especially around the the years of when she first. I mean, I, I think I first took notice of her during the first Transformer film. I think that was it. I don't know. Anyway, it was before the plastic surgery and all that stuff. And even then, I'm like, okay, she's very hot objectively hot but i just i'm I, there's no there's no pull i mean i can just uh, say from an objective standpoint uh yeah this person's very uh, good looking but there's no draw and uh, on the other hand on the other hand there's just something energetically that was you know there's vap there's vapidness there it just there's something off on the other hand there's something that radiates from a person from people that I I believe completely supersedes how physically attractive or unattractive they may be. I have met plenty of people who I don't necessarily find myself physically attracted to, or or, or that I never I don't find uh, physically attractive. I should say, who beam a certain genial kind of energy with a relaxed smile that just makes me want to hang out with it. I want to hang out with this person. I want to be around this person. It's a, it's a, it's a other kind of attraction. Now, obviously, you know, you, you find, you find that in, in a, in a, in a, in a physical specimen that you love. And if you can end up with that, then you, you have a very happy life, but you can also, I mean, it doesn't mean that happy, wonderful friendships aren't possible. On the other hand, you, there's this inverse. That's what popped up for me when I saw your your Megan Fox thread is this inverse is so prevalent for me where I can see just objectively physically attractive people that there is just a, a, a dead energy around. And I don't know where it comes from. If people, they can't be that people are born that way. Uh, I don't know if that's just something that is happening to them along there. If they were nurtured the right way, if they've been dulled by something. I don't know, but there is that uh, there is that 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 duality to to this this kind of profiling that energy, and it doesn't have you know it it, it just uh, mixed results for me. Well, it's a very very big question because in many ways I'm not sure either because she was born with those archetypes and maybe in a different reality she could have been much much better, but it appears that the way that she was born, given her circumstances and her environment chances were that 
um, she was going to end up that way. But in no ways am I a fatalist. I believe there is freedom of choice. I believe that people have their own agency and that people can use these different archetypes. For example, her shadow might actually be um, really good. Her shadow is the hero or the heroine. And she can channel that energy. I believe maybe some part of her can channel that energy. Um, but I guess maybe it hasn't happened or maybe it won't happen. Um, here's here's another great example that's very dark is uh, Marina Abramovich. Oh. Her shadow, so she's someone who's very dark, but her shadow is a caregiver. And naturally imagine a very nurturing woman who is supposed to tuck in kids at night, who is supposed to make dinner, uh, like a woman who is supposed to make sure the home is warm and fulfilling and happy. And for her, that's not like her at all because she's a complete opposite of that. But people are always able to tap into their opposites no matter what. And one of the most incredible things is, you know, if you were to look at like Bible stories, like some of the most evil villains like Saul could be redeemed and could be transformed into the wonderful um, Apostle Paul. So it's it's something that's very powerful is that there's there is always the possibility of redemption. And that, that's something that I never like look past people's like potential is there's always the possibility that people can change. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm part of that, uh, that, uh, that group that believes that too. What's the old, the old line that every, every saint has a past, every sinner has a future, right? Exactly. Well, exactly. Um, so what I'm really seeing right now is that unfortunately in our media, we're programmed with a lot of negativity. Like when it comes to the actors we see, you know, on screen, the people we listen to, the, the lyrics to uh, the music that we're hearing about, it, it's just we're programmed to the state that we're being depressed, that we're being really bogged down that we're being oppressed and, and i really think you know the powers that be want this to happen and it's really having a really disastrous effect so that's going into completely different areas that's really beyond you know the the conversation of this the topic of this conversation but it's true we're being deluged by a sea of negativity I can't wait to bring you back and do more of that, though, because uh, your your esoteric threads are fantastic. I, I've been meaning to incorporate your thread about pole shift, Antarctica, uh, new new uh, rejuvenated ages of human existence. How, how do we, uh, especially your thread about the city state, the rise of the city state, which I think is a great a great conversation to have because it just it um, it brings us into a at least a hypothetical situation for now where we can envision a world that the, the the great grand reset that is being planned for us has completely failed and we have gone down to a, a wonderful reset of decentralization and rediscovering r wonderful romantic tradition and culture by region and and uh, and and all kind of friendly friendly interactions with each other that are not are not influenced by this daily deluge of negativist and incendiary um media this this psyop that goes on all over i would love to talk about really um awesome and 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 bright bright visions of the future with you sometime and but you know as we're go ahead i was gonna say one thing that really i want to go back to 
Uh, something I said earlier, like you're wondering, are people born that way? And unfortunately, one of my more kind of one of the more depressing messages they have is that um, we're kind of going downhill, like when it comes to people. Like if you were to look at like a kid from the 1940s and the 1950s, they would look a lot more innocent than like a kid today. If you were to look at like a random American family or anywhere in the world, actually, you know, just if you were to look at people from the past, you know, in the mid 20th century, people looked so much more wholesome. They looked happier. Uh, they looked much healthier. Um, their character was much better. They looked more honest, had higher integrity, were harder working. Uh, they were actually more intelligent. They were more dutiful, conscientious. Uh, they were less neurotic. And when I look around today, it's like people are not the same as they were. And I think, you know, it, maybe it's happening even more and more and more. And I'm very into a field called epigenetics that our mindset, our behavior and our thoughts actually changes our genes. Oh, yes. That would be an, that would be a great conversation to have. That really would. Um, be, be, well, because especially on a DNA level, I would love to explore that much more because it, what, were, what were we told about DNA for, from the time that we were very young and given our little crash courses of what it is? It's, it's code. It's, it's code that contains information we've been compiling and working through and reworking and integrating new things and, and evolving with for all the, uh, the, all the time that humans have been on this earth, that it is really just the, 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 almost like the owner's manual to humanity for as long as we've been here. And I, I, would, I would love to see, I would love to talk about what we are doing right now, especially if it's environmental, environmental toxins. I mean, we, we live in an age of mRNA um, uh, genetic serums now that everybody's being forced to take. I mean that that is it's designed to actually work with your 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 owner's manual, your genetic code. It, it's uh, th there's so much to consider outside of just random or or planned cultural degradation. It's it's a war on all fronts. Truly, full spectrum dominance. It is. It is. I don't know if your viewers are familiar with um, the work of Dr. Bruce Lipton or the yeah. work of Dr. Joe Dispenza. Uh, but there's been so much research that has done that our intentions, how we see things, our our mindset really can change everything. And it, it can change, you know, our, our biology is really dependent on our beliefs. And uh, really what it is, it's, it, it's like a story. Uh, and that's really one of my big messages is that, you know, there's a quote from Shakespeare that said, all the world is a stage and we are merely characters or players on that stage. And uh, imagine um, a play that has twists and turns, and sometimes the characters are good, sometimes they're bad. And really what it is, it's God watching this play that he's created, and we're like on the stage and everyone is playing these different parts. And really it's up to us to see like, you know, are we gonna be on the right side or are we gonna be on the bad side? Are we going to fight for truth and light and love and life? Or are we going to, um sacrifice you know our inheritance for uh, essentially just a mess of pottage so it's really those kind of questions are are we actually going to decide every single day to save what we have our sacred um genetics our birthright our our souls our spirit and everything and are we going to get rid of it it's something that i'm a little concerned about because before 
you know, family ancestral ties and genetics was viewed as something that was sacred. It was mm. paramount. And in this day and age, so many people don't really care about family relationships or connections. And, you know, they just throw it away for maybe money or popularity or for just uh, just for fun, even. And it's really kind of a, a pity. You're right. You're right. Uh, there's there's so much more value placed on all of that and knowing where you came from. And um, we're, we're definitely in a time where that's being discouraged, just like everything else that could tether us to a more stable past to give us understanding and some guidance to where we should go in the future. It's being severed. And, and, and if, you, if you pay attention, you know exactly why, because the future is being claimed for a very small group of people and all of their implanted assets. Um, hey, one last question, uh, Dan. First, the, great, great, great show. I, I really loved having you on here tonight. Are you a fan of Tool? Tool? The band. Oh, oh, I'm not familiar with their work. Okay. No, just just wondering, just because, you know, just because the uh, Jungian uh, kind of concepts, the shadow, especially that, that one song, 46 and 2, I think you would like it. You should go listen to that song when we get off the air here. Tool for well, the characters, the members of the band seem like very interesting people. Like they, they, they have very rare types or archetypes. So, another thing I want to say though is that before I go off, is that, um, you know, I frequently meet with people. Like I have a lot of fans who are interested in my systems and my methodologies, and it's a really powerful tool to understand your own archetypes in how you see the world and personal development and also romantic compatibility. And another thing I forgot to say was that often these archetypes are often inherited. It really sees, it It really changes how we see the world. It changes our tastes in music, even in food, in how we dance and how we dress. And it's something that really, really, really is a big predictor of our world around us and how we live. I'm very interested in learning more, Dan, and I'm sure that we'll stay in touch, and I want to talk more about your personal journey some other time that you're on, and then we'll jump into some even bigger, bigger, I don't know, fantastical stories, because you do a lot of writing on your on your Twitter. It's a protected account, so I hope people go and request to follow you and, uh, and, and keep you of in their course. lists. Of course, and you know, when they follow me, like, you know, they're going to be part of my community, and... I'm really excited to get some new followers, too. Wonderful. Dan, have a wonderful... Is there anything else that you would like to plug before you leave, aside from your Twitter, which is in the description of this episode? Not right now. I'm looking forward to being on more shows in the future. Thank you so much for having me on, Frank. Oh, no problem. You, you did wonderful. I'm sure you're going to do very well in the future on whoever else books you. So you got friends over here. Keep in touch, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you so much. Later. Take care. Bye-bye. All righty, ladies and gentlemen. So that was a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, your calls. Hey, there's plenty to talk about. Plenty to talk about. So I want to take your calls. I want to take your super chats, see what you think. I've been looking at the super chats. Not a lot of questions about this came in, so I didn't have to worry. But um, you let me know. You let me know. I will be right back. Don't go anywhere. It's intermission time, folks. Time out. Press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Intermission. 
entering. Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly, with Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Sixteen, nice talk with Dan. Speed read Dan. So let's see what's going on. I also just want to take a moment because I don't do this often. I pick maybe one or two times a week, and I don't think I even did it last week to to give myself a little plug and remind you all that it's very important to support the alternative in everything alternative in banking alternative in education alternative in media many you have plenty of favorite shows that you go and frequent if this is a show that you frequent nightly or close to nightly and 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 you really love it and you want it to continue on and you've seen it grow over the years and you want to you just want it you're you're curious as to where it's going to go next please consider becoming a sponsor of the show and at the very minimum Give it a thumbs up, a rumble, thumbs up, whatever it is, like it, share it, give it a great review on iTunes. I love iTunes and Spotify reviews and and that it helps with just visibility. If you can't become a sponsor right now, it's, it's fine. But all that other stuff helps with visibility. And you know, for every five people that, sh- that find the show because of a share or because of a recommendation you made, maybe one of them becomes a sponsor. And that's the, uh, the the biggest thing for growing in the future. Everything else can be found on quitefrankly.tv, especially the uh, that tab at the top, sponsor us. That's where you can weigh all of your options. I have spots open for uh, specialty tiers like postcards every month, Polaroid sponsors, and more on Subscribestar and, um, and elsewhere. But no matter how, No matter where or for how little that you pledge, everyone gets priority messaging with me. Everyone gets access to unlisted Sunday streams as well as access to specialty programming like the book club sessions that we're doing right now with Jay Gulenel. With Jay Gulenel. We'll do one with him one day, I'm sure. With uh, Jay Dyer. We did it with Timothy Gordon for the last two before that. It's been wonderful. And we got more coming up soon with Chris Ann Hall and who knows who I read The Godfather with. I told King, you know, I, I wish that you, you, you read more because wouldn't that be fun doing a, a Godfather book club with King? Wouldn't that be fun? Who knows? That'll be in the fall sometime, though. And, uh, and then everybody is included in exclusive monthly giveaways. So there you have it. T-shirts, show relics, coffee, precious metals. Who knows what I give away every month? So go to Quite Frankly. There's a merch section there, too sponsor us support us however you can and there's always 
super chats on quite frankly superchat.com or the rumble rants or the gold pills that's a way that you can sponsor the show every night in little dribs and drabs just throwing a couple of pennies into the upturned cap i'm a barefoot teller of tales over here man i i wonder what i'm I'm, i would be afraid to see what dan had to say about my face i don't know it's just like okay hopefully i hopefully i got a uh, i get a good a good breakdown one day so what do you think about everything tonight i had a weird dream over the weekend no over the weekend actually i think it was tuesday or wednesday night wednesday night would be last night so it was either monday or tuesday night i had a dream that i put together speaking of jay dyer and, and timothy gordon i had a dream that i put together a like almost like a I don't know, like I set up an auditorium and I invited people and I promoted an event and I got speakers to come to the event and I booked Robert Sepper, Jay Dyer, Timothy Gordon. I had them all I had them all there. And um well, it was very well attended in this dream. But the thing is that in the dream I was completely unprepared. I was not dressed well. I was dressed like a, a bum. And the, I realized there wasn't enough time for each uh, each guest speaker. I had given them each like 15 minutes each, which is is a, is an insult to all three of them, depending on what they're going to be speaking about. And they're all very they're all very different in in their worldview. Well, not very different, but they're different in their worldviews, especially when it comes to religion and everything else. So, in the dream, even though I had these three awesome speakers and I had an auditorium full of people that had showed up to watch, I knew that it was a disaster. I had no questions if I was going to moderate something between everybody or whatever. I had no questions set up. I had nothing written down as far as, you know, basic MC talk to introduce people and whatever. I was completely unprepared, which is one of the worst kinds of dreams someone like me can have. I'm sure many of you out there are the same way. I've, I can't tell you how many dreams like that I have had on in a live performance setting with the band. I remember one time, we, me and Anthony and the band, we were preparing to play a big show at Giant Stadium. And there was a drum set that was not complete, that was mine, on the stage at Giant Stadium. It wasn't even on a rug. If you're a drummer out there, you, if you're a musician, you know what the hell kind of a problem that is. You sit down in front of a uh, in front of a drum set and you start playing. That thing is drifting away from you. So it didn't even have a rug. It was on almost like a, you know, a a, 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 a sidewalk grate that you can look down into the sewer or sewer grate. It was on like one of those. So it was metal and it was sliding all over the place. And as for it, as for monitoring. As for a monitor behind me so I can hear the rest of my band, it was a small little Epiphone box amp. (sighs) What a disaster. Thank God it wasn't real. Thank God all of it wasn't real. All right, into the Super Chats we go. Let's see what people are thinking. First one up is Mark Swan says, I was able to read your face. Your face screams, I'm gay. I've been trying to hide that. I've been trying to hide that. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry to my wife. Damn it. 
American Girl 3 says, Hi, Frank. This was a fantastic guest. I've always been interested in learning about others, other personalities and eccentricities. Uh, I also sketch faces, and I love studying features. Does Dan do paid analysis for, pay, for paying clients? I would be interested. Thanks. You know, American Girl, you should reach out to him on Twitter um, or whatever he has set up. Go follow him. I'm sure he'll approve your following him, and then you ask him. I'm sure people ask him all the time, so I don't know. I don't know, but he seems very perceptive. I should ask him a little bit more about what he was studying in college. You think I would do that, but I, I just, I just jumped into the deep end and kept going. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't believe. I, I really do think that there is a lot there to be to take into consideration. You look around people, you look around with people and you say, well, body language is everything. Facial expression is everything. You're always judging. You're always trying to ascertain what a person's thinking, what they're feeling, especially if you're in a business situation, reading people, uh, poker. Think about something like poker, playing poker. The old saying, you're never playing your hand, you're playing the person uh, across from you. Well, if you don't know that person, how quick are you going to judge? I wonder how good of a poker player Dan is. You know, if he's sitting across the the table from Andrew Tate, I wonder how well he would do against him knowing all of his proclivities. But uh, I'm sure some of you will, will have something to say and maybe protest about archetypes and whether or not you think that's a demonic. I know a lot of people that took that into consideration. And I think it's interesting. I like learning about it. Gino says, behind behind tonight, but for what, but for that Mulvaney dude you talked about with Drew on her knees, Matt Walsh said it was well about why we can't, it was all, it was well about why we can't keep the kid gloves on with these people and this ideology. It's worth a view. Don't think we need to worry about any pity with this one. Oh, yeah. I don't know if what you're talking about is what Matt Walsh had said week, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. But I, uh, I definitely nodded along with him that entire time. Definitely nodded along because politeness got us this far. Politeness got us this far. And I, I don't know, like I said, they're forcing us not to be polite. And when that mean, what that means is they're not forcing us to start punching people or making fun of them. It's just forcing people to be very blunt about what the situation is. And because they deal in a world of fantasy where anybody can look in the mirror every day and declare them to be something else other than what they were born, then to declare a situation just objectively from a natural law standpoint what it is, that is some sort of a violent attack. That is something that will put somebody's uh, somebody's life in danger. Did you see, I remember years ago, years ago, we were talking about that, that trans kid and uh, their, their parents that put them on television, Jazzy Jennings or something like that. Well, this passed my 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 feed on Twitter a couple of days ago or something. Apparently, that show is still on the air. And now, Jazzy is however many years older, is very obese, going through a lot of issues, 
lot of issues and just can't be well can't get well there's something wrong there's something wrong and the mother the mother is standing this mother should be locked away mother's sitting there going i know exactly what you're going through i'm like what are you talking about i mean yeah we all have we all have issues we're all growing up but it sounded like talking about like women's issues or whatever the hell's i i don't know you don't know what's going what they're going through look at your son Look at what you did to your son. You don't know what they're, you have no personal connection to this, aside from the fact that you enabled it. And it's so sad. It's so sad, and like I said, that 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 compassion and that maternal instinct has been mutated in the most dangerous of ways. And if you just call it out for what it is, not making fun of a person, why anybody would take somebody in a state of crisis like that and make it a sport some kind of a sporting event to make fun of them, yeah, you got problems of your own. You don't need to do that to be able to, to, to address a serious issue that is proliferating with the power of the state. Why would you try to spread this, this, this internal conflict and this confusion to children all over the country? Why would you be behind that? When, I mean, everything, everything has, all the money that this person on television needed to alter their body, all the surgery, all the drugs, all of the makeup, whatever, all of the the support of the network, all the support of the parents, all of the support of the system at large, and still this person is, I I, I don't know. I mean, we, we know, we know the regret we know about the self-harm risk that is virtually unchanged pre and post-op. It's a, this is going to be remembered as one of the most bizarre and criminal, criminally insane eras in world history, though it's happened before. As we, we, we delved into Camille Paglia talking about the decline of other civilizations that kind of went through this androgynous phase where we lose track of what we are, we lose that track and and connection to that robustness in our culture that made us what we are. And then again, there was no sex chain surgeries and, and, and hormone therapy to put children through and everything else in ancient Greece. But, um, yeah. So Stube, thank you so much. KD Sky D says, men can think a woman is pretty without wanting to sleep with her. Men can see a woman, period, without wanting to sleep with her. I thought only women held that power. Okay, well, let's... Okay. It's... As, as Kevin from The Office said once, it, the question is not, would you do her? Okay. The question is not would you do if you're if you're single and she's waving it in your face and all of a sudden you just feel the dog barking inside of you and I mean you just okay well I'm not marrying her but whatever and that's really what it's what's what it takes on there are so many people out there women since we're talking about a, a woman to me maybe for for you women you see guys some guys the same way where there is a certain quality that is lacking but they are still physical specimens it's almost like a living breathing sex doll i hate to say that because it's a um you're just objectifying somebody who probably who, who does have a a life does have 
thoughts does have their own whatever and then maybe they're working through something maybe they're just depressed when you see them what's dead behind the eyes what did they go through i don't know i don't know if they threw themselves at you and you were single and you say what else am i doing tonight uh, maybe yeah sure yeah I, I hooked up with somebody who had dead eyes and uh and was was rather dull when we had coffee afterwards but uh it was it was fun for that however long you know what i'm talking about this went off the rails I'm sorry, but yeah, yeah. The question is primarily about would you do him or her? Would you? It's about would you would you spend time? Is are you attracted to them? Not if you were thrown into a closet, you know, and played spin the bottle. Would you be able to land the kiss and not throw up? That's not the question. Okay. Um, Remnant Farm says Thursday blessings to you and your family, Frank. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Gino just says love to you and the family, Francis. Nice spending every night with the brother I never had. Let's go Rangers. Oh, and my wife's going to kill me because I keep playing the uh, the S my D song and reactions from Friday. Oh, I, I, I I'm sure I didn't even think about that. That some of you guys can just go back and clip it out yourself, and now it's yours. Mike's song that Anthony Anthony brought to life for him. All right, let's go into the Rumble Rants. We got one over here, Molly Artie. Good to see. Good to hear from Molly again. I have to know more about physiognomy because it will help me in my current art journey exploring my shadows, etc. That's right, Molly. That's right. Especially if you're an artist and you're talking about faces. What do you want that face to project? What do you want that face to project? Rose Among Thorns says, Thanks, Frank, for Speed Read Dan. So intriguing. I sent a follow request on Twitter. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you for that wonderful uh, uh, rumble rant. And I hope that you have a good time reading Dan's threads because it's so much more than just beyond the physiognomy threads. Uh, like I said, he has a great master thread of all these esoteric mini threads inside of them that go into, like I said, pole shifts and Antarctica and the, all types of theories about ancient and future civilizations. And it, it's good stuff. It really is great. I like it. Okay. Okay, so let's move on to our and we'll put this this uh, thing up on the screen. Phone number, 914-595-6953. We'll start taking your calls. And in the meantime, I'll get through some of these foxhole super chats. I also want to say that I just got a message from Cody over on the network end of things. And after the show ends tonight, for Throwback Thursday, here is what we have on the network on quitefrankly.tv. He says, tonight on QuiteFrankly.tv, a vintage Quite Frankly episode from this day in 2018. March 16th, 2018, featuring in-studio guest magician Xavier Spade. That was a good... Oh, man, I haven't spoken to Xavier in many years now. Great, great magician. Very smooth, sleight of hand tricks. I wonder if we did any tricks that night. We had to have. And beware the Ides, because then... After that throwback, frankly, from 2018, we're stirring the 1953 
MGM film Julius Caesar featuring a very handsome Marlon Brando. Only on QuiteFrankly.tv. That's what's going on tonight on Throwback Thursday. So enjoy it. Okay, over to Pilled. Paulie says, I can't believe 1984 and Brave New World came true. Ender's Game. Thank you, Sean Joe. Thank you again, Captain Flint. Boys Blanc, 89. Sean Joe again. Bob says, for a face reader, I find it interesting that he didn't let us see his face or mannerisms. You're right. <laughs> he kept himself uh, quite anonymous. Stostube, a sleeve of cookies. Yummy, yummy. Beach Bummin' Mermaid says, I wonder what Dan would have said about doppelgangers. Studies have shown that they share the same DNA and similar. Similar what? That got cut off. And Q Roll Tide says, Mark Swan gay? No way. Well, that's not what he said. He was saying, me. That's what he was saying. He's such a prankster. Mark Swan is a trickster. All right, 914-595-6953, and uh, we'll take your calls. Actually, you know what? We'll take your calls as soon as we come back from this break, and that's it. So get your phones all warmed up, 914-595-6953. And before we end tonight, I want to I want to listen to this clip between Tucker Carlson and Colonel Douglas McGregor. So uh, if you have anything to share with the show... Now's the time to jump on. We will be right back. Did you get a chance to meet with the royal family? And if not, how was it like having them there in the building? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? <laughs> the prince and princess of Wales. Oh, no, I did not. I'm only familiar with one royal family. I don't know too much about that one. Thank you. But I'm glad they're hopefully they're Celtic fans. Yeah, thank you. I've noticed in watching some of the tapes on self-defense that a lot of guys like to show defense from awkward positions, say sitting in a chair, uh, you know, having your back turned, whatever. So what I'd like to do is uh, demonstrate a technique which I call defense against a guy in a chair. Excuse me. Yes. You're listening to Quite Frankly. Hey, you know that's illegal, right? What? A grown man holding a little boy's penis? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Got him. to get weirder. The level of contradiction is going to rise excruciatingly, even beyond the excruciating present levels of contradiction. <laughs> so uh, I think it's just going to get weirder and weirder and weirder. And finally, it's going to be so weird that people are going to have to talk about how weird it is. And at that point, novelty theory can come out of the woods uh, because eventually people are going to say, what the hell is going on? It's just too nuts. It's not enough to say it's nuts. You have to explain why it's so nuts.
I think that we're having a phone bottleneck again because it's very unlike this audience to not hop to and come and uh, pay me a little company. It feels a lot like uh, 2010 right now. You know why I'm so good talking by myself in a room for many hours at a time? Got a lot of practice. Well, there's certain, there's probably something in my archetype that it just, I was built for the job. The family I was brought up in, I was built for the job. But I also had a lot of practice because I can't tell you how many times I would say, all right, well, the phone lines are open and I knew nobody was going to call, but I had to keep saying it because I knew one day, one day somebody would, and it would just feel kismet. Let me get this a, uh, a restart over here. One last time, because I got five minutes. Maybe we'll take one or two calls, because I want to play this uh, Tucker Carlson thing to end. Two, one, okay. All right, all right. And that just restarted, and now we got somebody coming through. It's Jimmy. Jimmy, how you doing? I'm good. How are you, Frank? I'm feeling just fine. It's good to hear from you again. What's on your mind? Well, you know... I just wanted to touch real quickly on the Tucker Carlson interview from earlier. Go ahead. On the podcast. And uh, I thought it was really interesting, Tucker's perspective. And it kind of reminds me of Russell Brand, like the journey he's kind of come along on. You know, Russell was a little little left. I mean, I won't say far left, but he was very left. He still is. And, uh, he still is. Yeah, he, he still is, but not like, you know, not today's version, I would say. But... But, you know, it's kind of good to see some of these guys come around and open their eyes to really reality and wake, wake, wake more normal people up is what I think they're doing. You well, know? Yeah, well, I, 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 I think that what you're, um, what you're talking about, I think what you're talking about is, is very good, a really good point because – it's also good to know. It's also good to keep in mind that there is not. Uh, if somebody is not one hundred percent saying all the things, so, so uh, for example, with Tucker Carlson, if he says that one of his greatest regrets is supporting the Iraq War, that's a that's that's something right there. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect him to come out and uh, start talking about Building Seven and 9-11 itself right. anytime soon. Right. But at the same time, if if he doesn't, then it, does that mean that all of his credibility is shot? Like how how many hoops does a person have to jump through until we say, okay, he's uh, at least he's you know he's 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 being he's being honest, you know, to our yeah. our satisfaction. So you, you gotta you gotta understand like Russell Brand, like you said. He's a leftist. It's great that you have him out there talking pretty hardcore about not only free speech, ab- absolutism, uh, but also exposing what you would have thought that Democrats would have been all about a few years ago, exposing uh, big tech for for uh, censorship, exposing big pharma for poisoning people with untested bullshit and having uh, social constraints uh, tied to that. And especially having children being harmed. Like, wh- wh- where, where's all the tree huggers from 25 years ago? They're all gone. You know, it's I, I it, so you got to just we got to just cling to some things that are, are positive and not get too into a, a purity spiral. Absolutely. And yeah. you nailed it. I mean, I, I couldn't have said anything better myself. 
And that's really all I had, Frank. And I appreciate it. And uh, great show, man. It's great to hear from you, Jimmy. Thanks again. Yes, sir. All right. Bye. Take care. Like, you know, I, you guys know I, in the last couple of years, like the last three years, I've listened to quite a few episodes of Art Bell just on, you know, old coast to coast, midnight in the desert, everything that's on on YouTube. And now there are, there are more and more places on Rumble that are uploading these full episodes. And um, I, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of blue pill shit coming out of art over the years that I just I just take note of. In fact, there was this one. Oh man, hold on a second. I would love to show it. Oh gosh, where the hell is it? Let me see. All things Art Bell. Which one was it? Which one was it that I? It might have been not Moonstream. Was it Hollow Earth? Hold on. Let's see if I have one of my. Okay, hold on. I found it. This is a week ago. This is from October 4th, 2002. Now, where the hell was it? My comment here says, boy, Art bought, Art bought the, Iraq, the Iraq war hook, line, and sinker. The caller from Maryland was spot on. And, uh, and the, the, the Bush admin mulling over nationwide smallpox vaccinations was interesting, too. So from this episode from 2002, I was listening to it maybe, I don't know, about a week ago. I don't know if it was after a show here and I was just at home decompressing. But there was a, an opening about whether or not there was going to be a need for nationwide vaccinations for smallpox. This is back in 2002 that the Bush administration was was mulling it over. And then there was a caller. Where the hell was it? Love the planet because. Where is it? What Tell it? me about it. Thirty fourth. There's somewhere. And you listen to me, and you listen to me, good, Mister Bell. Hold on. Because you have been sucked. Wait. Hit me square on with an honest answer to my question. There's significant, even perhaps overwhelming evidence. They're brewing bugs to kill us all. Wait. I really want to find this. Because it's incredible to hear a woman calls in. She's from Maryland. And she's so spot on about how what the Iraq war is going to be all about and how many Iraqis are going to die because of this and, and, and everything like that. And boy, you can tell that she was, the, out of all the callers that night, she was the, the unpatriotic pariah. And she was so right. I got to find this. I, I'm going to bookmark this. And I'm going to find the, the, the timestamp for tomorrow. So, and, and he never, never ever questioned things like 9-11 and stuff like that. So, but then again, you know, what, what do you throw the whole baby out with the bathwater? Because you're blue-pilled on one thing or another, or you don't go deep enough for something else. So you just can't be purists to the point where you're you're all alone in a padded room and you've got no you 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 put yourself in too small of a box you have no flexibility. So yes, 100%. Let's get one more call in. This can't be pure. 785. Hello, hey, seven. Frank. It's the Hey Frank. It's the Sentinel from Theta TV. How you doing? Hey, what's going on, Sentinel? All over there on Theta. Wow, Theta's. But we had a big night on Theta tonight. We've got uh, fifteen people watching. 
Yes, it's a triple when I started just a couple weeks ago, so it's awesome. Wow. 15 people. That, that, for everybody out there that doesn't know, that is big. I mean, this was, we're talking about three, four people, very comfortable, enough people you can put into a minivan. Not anymore. We need a bigger van. <laughs> Yes, but we actually made it to 16 for a few moments. So uh, we were looking for 17, but uh, 16 is one more tonight. So uh, I was calling about Carl- Tucker Carlson. Uh, Molly Arnie and I watched that entire full set uh, this weekend after our son got it shared from a friend. He said, hey, have you seen full sand? I said, no, i never heard of it. He said, well, you got Tucker Carlson calling about, talking about aliens and UFOs. And so we watched the entire 97 minutes of it. And uh, it seemed a little surprised how he got there, but I liked Kurt Tucker. I mean, I kind of like Tucker when he goes on his rants, especially when it's stuff that I think is wrong and he's calling it out. So uh, I enjoyed what you showed earlier. I thought that was kind of telling. You know, and I think, I think you know, with me being a soldier, um uh, you know, and also having deployed to Iraq during that time period, uh, I kind of was in the same boat with him. It was like, hey, you know, this is about America. We got to save America, and and uh, you know, I might trust the Bush administration with the Patriot Act, but I don't know about the next guy. And you know, I was fucking right about that. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you know, but I thought I was wrong about Bush and the Patriot Act. So just saying that now. But anyway. Um, now that we're where we're at, what what he said about the aliens, that shit blew my mind, man. I think I don't know if you plan on showing that next. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, uh, Sentinel. I, I'm 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 losing you a little bit. You're getting garbled. Am I on speakerphone? Oh no, I'm 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 okay. I'm a fan of pro. I got you All right, on the TV and I got you on a regular TV. I must have been holding it away from my face. Okay, Sorry. so then so then you okay, so then start right where you said uh, what he was saying about aliens was uh, incredible. Oh, well, what he said about aliens was incredible. However, he didn't really back it up. He said, he said, uh, hey, there's plenty of evidence that we have all these, these aliens. Well, there are sightings, there are stories, but we don't really necessarily have clear physical evidence. But I found it amazing. So uh, I'd like to see more about that. Um, and I didn't know if that's where you were going to go with your next clip. And I didn't want to steal your thunder too much. No, uh, but uh, no, 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 no. Actually, where I'm going with the next clip and Sentinel, thank you so much for calling in and sharing that, and also being a really great ambassador for the Theta Chat. It's great to hear from you. You bet. Anytime. All right. Love Michelle. Michelle loves you so too. Well, Thanks. send my love over there to her, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Um, I here's what we'll end with. This is another thing that I this is another thing I appreciate. Now, uh, in the beginning of the war, back in February, March of last year, you were still seeing Colonel people like Colonel McGregor allowed on television to go and talk uh, uh, very bluntly about what's going on. Not, ne- not, not necessarily rooting for one person or another, but being able to break away from the the wall of bullshit propaganda about the David and Goliath story of what Ukraine and Russia really is and and how Ukraine against all odds is just you know whatever it, it's it, it, there's there's no history in Ukraine that uh, about this prior to 2022 where this you know it's just great to see him buck the trend and he was let on television less and less so for Tucker Carlson to put this on 
last night think it was great because I, I follow uh, Douglas McGregor on, on YouTube. I, I liked listening to everything that all of his appearances, just as one aspect of all of the material that I gather to balance what Western media is going to predictably report every damn day. I'm just looking for balance and, and, and other other opposing uh, opinions. And from there, I get ideas and questions I bring to you guys and gals. And and we just try to muddle our way through. So listen to this three-minute clip about the, the war and its current situation. One of the very few people we trust, I think you've been honest since the very beginning and taken a, a lot of a lot of abuse for it. Where do you think this conflict stands tonight? Well, the Ukrainians are being crushed. Even the Washington Post and the New York Times are now finally beginning to print the truth. Their casualties are horrific. We've effectively seen the Russians destroy three separate armies built by the Ukrainians. And, and everyone is beginning to wonder what's really happening. The, the truth is coming out that this war was not started by Russia, that Russia begged us not to try and drag Ukraine into NATO. We ignored Russia, and Russia made it very clear that they were going to defend their national interest. All they wanted was neutrality for Ukraine. Americans know something else, and I think somebody said this a few years ago. It's the economy, stupid. And exactly. every Republican candidate understands that and has to win the American people over. The people in Washington are worried about their donors. The Republican candidates are worried about American voters. Well, I mean, to, to see Lindsey Graham invoke Ronald Reagan, who won the Cold War with a superior economy and not with tanks, that's true. Ignore the fact that our banks are collapsing. How exactly do you think people like Graham and virtually every Republican senator, with a few honorable exceptions, how do they think we're going to afford a war against Russia and China simultaneously? Well, it's unaffordable. It's unaffordable against Russia. You don't have to lump China with the, with the rest of them. It's impossible. We are on the road to bankruptcy. See, and I'm, I'm glad that that brought up there, too. You don't even have to bring China into the mix. It's unaffordable. I asked the question, would we be able to, do we even have the fight left in us to go out there toe-to-toe with Russia if it were a legitimate reason to do so? And I got some really interesting feedback from our uh, retired and currently serving members of the military in this, in this, uh, this audience. But uh, it was in that same series of conversations I said, uh, do, you know, go to the national debt clock and go take a look at the national debt. Go take a look at what we currently owe on the credit card and what we have yet to pay. And you tell me that aside from the open border down south, which is obviously a major, major existential threat to any country, and that's been open for decades, one of the, the greatest, if not the greatest, national security threats that we have is the national debt. Because if we actually have to go to a war legitimately, how do you pay for it? How do you pay for it? The American people sense it. The bank uh, bailouts are not going to happen as they did before. Uh, you know, the best thing I can think of is to say that Lindsey Graham and his peers in Washington, they're not channeling Ronald Reagan. They're channeling the Three Stooges. The last thing Americans need is a war. No more political and military incompetence, ineptitude, corruption. They want an economy that works, and they're not going to stand around and watch the financial system go under. They want real leadership, not a, cut, not a cardboard cutout president. 
If we actually followed Lindsey Graham's advice and attacked the Russian Air Force and, of course, immediately became embroiled in a hot war with Russia, how long before you were arrested would it be, do you think, for saying what you just did? Oh, I, I don't know. But I'm less, less concerned about that than the possibility that we would actually provoke a direct confrontation with the Russians. What have we already seen, Tucker? They're ready to fight. They're already partially mobilized. They'll put millions of men into the field quickly. We're not in a position to do that. We can't even recruit for our armed forces. Nope. The nope. left has destroyed the United States armed forces. Mm -hmm. Who are we kidding? Our stocks that we build up over years with ammunition and equipment, they're exhausted. We haven't even gone to war. This is lunacy. 80%, what do you say, 80% of children from the ages of 17 to 25 are unfit for service? Have you seen what we're doing to kids here in the United States? What the, what the big debates are in school and everything? We, we, there is no fight. Oh, man. I, I mean, it's, it's one, and like I'm saying, um, I'm very happy that this is allowed on television, at least in one place. I don't watch the TV. I love when the clips are made because then I can bring it on this show. But that's, uh, that's just something I want to put on out there. So the trickster did well again and here here here's a little something for you about six hours ago someone else didn't get the memo poland actually no they did get the memo because you know what better way to really plunge the entire world into the final collapse and then say okay well guess what we can we can pay for the war because we just came up with a new currency and it's digital poland becomes the first nato member to offer ukraine fighter jets so I guess they're trying to build Ukraine a fourth army to just blow out of the water and blow out of the sky. Polish President Andrzej Duda said on Thursday that Poland will transfer four of its MiG-29 fighters to Ukraine in coming days and plans to send others. Why it matters? <laughs> you tell me, ladies at home. And gentlemen. Both of you guys can answer. Don't worry about that. All right. It's 8.57 and that is it. I've had a really, really great time with you all. Really great time. We had a great, great episode with Speed Read Dan. I can't wait to have him back on for more things. Just out of out of everything, he was a good speaker. And he was articulate. And it was just a good conversation. So I can't wait to, to come up with more topics. And now the Rolodex of guests have only grown by one. Larkstar444 said bras are evil for sure. Who said that? Bras? Bra? Like a brassiere? Bras are evil for sure. Who's, who had mentioned bras? Did I miss something on the rumble? Okay. Well, yeah, bras are evil. No need to wear them. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else do I have? One last thing from C. Blanche. Thank you. On the gold pills, I'm releasing the gold pills. And Captain yeah. Flint, thank you as well. Uh, it is going to be Throwback Thursday. You're going back to 2018. This night, 2018, for quite frankly, then afterwards, Julius Caesar with Marlon Brando at his first peak. And then, of course, he the middle muddle and his big revival in 1972 with The Godfather. Big revival. Been watching it a lot lately. I've just... 
just getting sucked in. I love it. All right, guys and gals, thank you for everything. I will see you tomorrow night for the big finisher for the weekend. We'll see who I can muster in studio as some guests. I think you're going to love it one way or another. It's going to be very fun, very relaxed. We'll have a few good laughs and take some calls. Good night and take care. Become a sponsor, please. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now our super chatters, starting with Gino, Mark Swan, American Girl 3, Gino again, Stolstub, Katie Sky D, Remnant Farm. Thank you so much. Thank you to everybody in the Rumble Rants as well. See you tomorrow. Bye.